So I just uh, like to draw some attention towards the Brahma Vihara, this mode of practice. And sometimes this is uh, can be seen in a rather perfunctory way as just do a few nice things in a Christmas card to so-and-so and, uh, <laughs> you know, purely on a, on a kind of charitable uh, inclination towards the sublime heart from Vihara, sublime abiding, sublime states, uh, metta, non-aversion, kindness, karuna, non-harming, compassion, um, mudita, appreciation, for joy, the joy that comes from appreciation, upeka, equanimity or even-mindedness, mind that can span good and bad and hold them steadily without being thrown around by it. Uh, one of the uh, memorable occasions when the Buddha is asked about this practice and uh, wanderers of other sects say well yeah everybody practices that so what, it's nothing special about Buddha's practice of the Brahma Vihara everybody can do that and the Buddha, when the Buddha hears this he says no no, only a Tathagata or a Tathagata's disciple fully practices the Brahma Vihara the way I do. And he says it's based upon Viveka, Viraga, Niroda, ripening in Vodsaga. So break down the Pali, Viveka, non attachment. Viraga, dispassion, Niroda, stopping or ceasing, or Saga, complete relinquishment. Essentially, the relinquishment of self-view, relinquishment of the, the of that um, basis of further becoming. Mm. And it says, if one cultivates this, if with metta, it leads to the sphere of the beautiful. At least, if there's no complete release, at least it takes you to the to a, the place of the beautiful, sobana, beautiful place. Um, karuna, if there's no further release, at least it takes you to the place of um, infinite consciousness, or boundless consciousness, put it that way. Um, no, infinite space, I'm sorry, infinite space boundless space. Mudita takes you to the place of infinite consciousness, boundless consciousness, consciousness with no boundaries in it. So this is a non-dualistic sense, there's no me, you, you the boundaries are down and gone, complete appreciation. Equanimity takes you to the place of no thing, nothing is formed, there's no particularly discrete objects within that. Uh, and he said, at least this far, if there's, no further li- if there's no further liberation. So, you know, 
this is not bad for starters. <laughs> so it's a little more than just sending your aunt a birthday card. Though <laughs> so that can be part of it. It can start at that level. But then to, to not just uh, stop there or think that's all there is to it. to just to kind of back up a little bit to connect to what I've been talking about it's talk about consciousness and intent um, so consciousness is this uh, something that arises when there's a sense object and a sense organ yeah, so there's an eye, a visual object the eye is functioning because of the eye functioning being functioning and there being a visual object, consciousness arises. You know, seem well, so what? Obvious. But what it, it, the Buddha says, you know, is saying essentially, consciousness is not some kind of independent entity that's floating around. It's it's a moment when something is grasped, something is held through a particular sense organ, including the mind. Yeah. So it's not like consciousness doesn't refer to some some kind of, um, you know, meta or ultimate state which is just kind of floating around looking for something to get into. It arises dependent upon a particular object through a particular organ. Um, And the mind, mind consciousness, arises dependent on a particular mind state, thought, mental feeling, the whole field of mind, dhammas, arise and mental consciousness arises so we might say you know, use an analogy there's a, there's a particular organ mano is, is the mind organ uh, and then it throws out a net and it picks up trawls in thoughts, perceptions, just keeps throwing out this net that throwing out is volition there's a, so consciousness is dependent upon volitional tendencies or sankharas uh, the primary sankara is volition. So there is some kind of, you know, go out there and get it um, message happening. Hmm? We might notice very well in, more obviously in, um, you know, in the external senses, when uh, you might very well normally be operating through the visual sense. And you say, well, just listen. Listen to what's going on in the room. You, Wait a minute, okay. So then it's like a little net comes out of your ear. <laughs> Grabs all the sounds. Oh yeah, it's like that. Now if we make a statement like, right, now let's all be silent. What does that do? It means you listen, doesn't it? You throw the net out through your ear. Uh, if you said, let's all be invisible, it would be impossible. We say, let's all be silent. The net comes out of your ear. What do you hear? Well, he's moving. Somebody rattled the door handle. Um, you know, the birds are a bit loud. You know, you pick up auditory objects that perhaps you wouldn't have been attentive to if you hadn't been considering silence. <laughs> you know, if you'd have been considering odors. You know, what can you smell in here? 
here. Um, so, and then what the net picks up, the sense, those sense doors pick up, those sense organs pick up, they, the meanings of those, whether they're pleasant, unpleasant, desired, undesired, that gets into the chitta. So the, the, the mind organ scoops up um, the results of the rest, or the mind base, chitta, you know, the basic effective sense. So you heard a sound that it wasn't what wasn't enjoyable, wasn't pleasant. We found it unpleasant. The sound wasn't unpleasant. Sound is just sound. Uh, there's no such thing as really pleasant sounds or unpleasant sounds. Sounds are just sounds. How pleasant is a brick? You know, it depends whether you're building a house without getting on your head. <laughs> Same with a sound. You know, it's, it's, it's just the sound. It's doing what sounds do, making noise or making a sound. But the dependent upon, um, you know, what your what your inclination is, that could be pleasing or unpleasing. That's the effective sense. The ear doesn't mind. It's the it's the chitta that that, that, that minds. And why does it mind? Because it wants this sound and not that sound. It wants this silence and not that sound, or it, something like that. So apart from the basic. Um, inclination which throws the net out of your ear or out of your eye to scoop up things there's another one which is the net of the of the mind which is actually picking up you know things in accordance with feeling and meaning perception is this what I want uh, in accordance with um, established uh, wishes and inclinations Hmm. And that very much determines the nature and the effect of that particular object, the net thrown out of the mind. Just as the, any in, intention is both, um, you know, just the interest, we might say, there's a sense of either function, need to hear, need to see, or I'm interested in hearing and seeing, there's that, you know, there's, there's be a functional requirement. But in terms of feeling, you know, feeling that what is agreeable to me, then that that throwing the net of the mind is um, some form of inclination, and it can be uh, defiled, or it can be uh, biased. Yeah. So, obvious example we're. <clears throat> feeling pretty happy, feeling pretty good, and net comes out of the mind. Oh, there's no birds singing. That's nice. Flowers are growing. That's nice. There's so and so. Oh yeah, it's good to see him or her. You know, it all picks up these things, isn't it? Feeling a bit rotten, lousy, tetchy, grumpy, sick, confused, whatever. Oh, it's damn crows. <laughs> you know, the, the things are, are irritating. Mm. So the consciousness that that uh, is generated through the mind is is effective. It seeks effects. It seeks the pleasant effect, 
the unpleasant, or it's aware of the unpleasant effect. It's got these kind of pleasure-pain principles. It wants the pleasant, it doesn't want the unpleasant. Depending on what pleasant is right now. You know, things themselves are not pleasant, it depends upon, you know, where I'm coming from, essentially. So this essential mental bias sets up the basis for what I will find pleasant or unpleasant, useful or not useful. And, uh, and then, dependent upon that, the consciousness trawls, neck goes out, picks up objects, and finds, oh, what a load of rubbish. Yeah? This isn't what I wanted. So when the, um, the mind consciousness is established upon um, greed, hatred or delusion, then it's always picking up objects that either fulfill those require those, those, mess, those motives, you know, ah, this is really exciting, it confirms them. Or, you know, you, the mind is, is uh, seeking uh, something to satisfy or excite and doesn't find it, feels frustrated, irritated. The nature of these effects is they, they come and go. Someone is never in, entirely, um, they're never complete in themselves. So the mind is both uh, unsteady, agitated, and uh, confronted by experience. And we might well feel, well, you know, if I could only be with something that gave me the pleasant ones, the agreeable ones, the comfortable ones, the satisfying ones, the soothing ones, the inspiring ones. And what we find in the sensory world, a very a ragtag story, you know, it's, it's, it's bits and bobs, it's random, it's not, it's not of that nature. And then when one's criteria can become quite refined, then again the standards go up. Yeah. So when the, you know, we can see this in, in a situation, one can see the monastic life either is extremely tough or extremely blessed. You know, it's like, well, you can't do this, you can't have that, you can't go here, you can't do this, you've got to wear that, you've got to turn up here, you've got to be, and wow, it's tough. Or look, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that, you're free from tax, free from pressures, free from work, nobody's going to sack you, it's comfortable, your food's provided, you know, what you, wow, what a dream. <laughs> well, and then what, what does the mind trawl in? Yeah, and it's both, really. Monastic life is both those things, it's both tough and blessed. I mean, it's got those, those senses in it. What do we pick up? Yeah. And uh, because a lot of this, this volitional tendency of the mind is not under our control, it's not we're deliberately picking up things that irritate us. But there's this, these wellsprings of, of um, 
longing, you know, whatever. And you flush up and you're not getting it or you're getting something you didn't want. Mm. This is the uh, difficulty of of external sense contact, and to to some degree, we're even. You know, we can okay. We say, well, forget sense contact. Let's just close right down and go inward. Yeah, that's that's one strategy. Um, but in order to, to do, this, if your mind is still something that is, um, you know, prone to these greed, hatred, delusion, then one finds the same story internally, and you still got to deal with it. You know, the craving fantasies, lust, uh, where to go, what to have, what to do, you know, kind of restless agitation or aversion. He did this, she did that, I never got this, I never got that. They always get a jealousy, they always get this, I don't get my share. You know, this kind of stuff going on. And uh, so the internal face can remain still full of this, this these, but these, uh, the net of the mind is still thrown out from the same place and it's trawling in the objects and measuring them in the same way. The quality of the Brahma Vihara is to throw the net out deliberately with uh, free from aversion, free from irritation, free from ill will, lofty, abundant, to others as to myself. So it's all directions internally, we might say, externally, both, <laughs> where they come together, this realm, the next realm, you know, to throw the net out, uh, maybe well. May there be no harm here, may there be no irritation here, maybe no friction here. And the fulfillment of it is there is no harm here. So the, 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 the kind of setting up with it, may I try to, to experience things in this way, and then the fulfillment of it is, I am experiencing things this way, this is the sphere of the beautiful. Yeah. You know, one is living in, a, in the pure land, you might say, because oh, no, everything is, there's nothing irritating, everything is, is okay, it's fine, this is the plane of the beautiful. Metta. Now, sometimes, uh, you know, greed, hatred, delusion is is something we pick up and we follow, even knowing it, you know, so there's deliberation, deliberately following it. Sometimes we we are carried along by it. I think in the holy life, it's mostly, it's mostly just, just picked up and carried by it. Nobody deliberately inclines that way, but, um, or or they don't recognize it. You know, a little bit of clinging over the quality of of gruel one gets or requisites or things of this nature, following those. But essentially, 
you know, by and large, is this tremendous uh, will and inclination in the other direction. They will make the effort. But there's this involuntary reflex of irritation, aversion. Uh, or it's the basis of greed. One is unfulfilled, one doesn't have enough, one feels bleak or hungry or empty of some something. So you're going to find something to fill it up. What's the basis of irritation, aversion? Yeah. You're feeling in an unpleasant, things are you know, prickling, agitating. Uh, and so the, the quality of, of metta is, is as, with, well, as with samatha, you can say that the basis of it is almost like a samatha practice of just holding the mind and deliberately generating this, this attitude, this sense, first of all verbally, yeah, as with other meditation forms, just, just be well right now. And taking this to a place that we perhaps have a little more say over, which is our, our physical form. Don't have that much say over it, but just noticing the parts of the body that feel okay, being able to relax. So we can go to this, the affective sense of the body, the feeling sense of the body. Say, may my body be relaxed, unstressed, uh, un- ner- not nervous, not agitated. You know, sit, stand, walk, even recline. May my body be this way. And you're not so much looking at, at, at physical contact, external contact, so much as the general state of the effect, the overall affective tone, the overall feeling tone of the body. Mm. Yeah, so we can, because the body is affective, it's affected, it carries this sense of tension, numbness, uh, um, sometimes your energy is, too, is, is, is revving up, it's overcharged, Sometimes it's, it's sinking down, you're feeling really difficult to keep going. This is the shiftings of energy, the effects that the body senses. So, you know, the practice of, of, of mindfulness of breathing, in a way, is, is, a, is a pragmatic practice of metta. It's like, here's something nice, is the idea. <laughs> you know, just be with this. This is comfortable, this is easy. The Buddha um, praised it for its sense of comfort that it gives. Take refuge, which is we apply directly to the effective sense of the mind, you know, the refuge sense. And I'm trying to encourage that with Buddha Nusati, reflection on recollection of Buddhas, and make it something that's much more a sense of, like, not just the sense of I'm signing up to be one of the, in the Buddha's army, as it were, but, you know, there to imagine and to visualize and to bring up this sense of being in the presence of that which sees you completely with kindness and compassion and concern for your welfare. What would it be like to be seen in that way? I think this is is helpful because it gives much more a sense of not so much something you're doing but so much as something you're receiving. And to, to my understanding, this is a very helpful way to begin um, this practice of metta. 
So instead of uh, continually having to, to find something, you know, just imagine you're being given it. And once you set your intent that way, what have you been given? Yeah, you might start to notice, well, I've been given um, warmth. Because my body feels quite warm. Rather than being freezing cold. Or dry rather than being wet. Cold and wet. Oh, that's rather nice. Oh, yeah. yeah we don't notice it, do we? And the, the house the other day, we were just commenting how, how pleasant it was. Now the house is, is warm, uh, thanks to the, this putting the boiler in last year. <laughs> and all the double glazing. So you, but you don't really notice it. You know, we notice it when there's a freezing cold draft going down your neck. <laughs> and it takes a little while to think, oh yeah, I don't notice that. I don't feel that cold anymore. I don't feel that sort of... I don't see people huddling under blankets and sniffling in, in, the, in the reception room. People take their coats off when they come into the house now rather than put them on. <laughs> Visitors used to put their coats and gloves on when they came into the reception room. <laughs> so, you know, oh, it just feels good. But who notices it, you know? I'm not saying that one is deliberately obtuse because consciousness doesn't, it's not an issue anymore, so your consciousness doesn't get thrown out of that. You know, there's nothing there to really deal with, so fine, well, something else. You know, the carpet's nice now in the reception room, so instead of looking at this kind of mildew and dog puke and whatever's on the, used to be on the carpet, <laughs> 25 years of public usage, it's a nice kind of clean carpet, it's tidy. Oh, you know, okay, this is not paradise, but. Just notice that there's a, there's a sense of something agreeable there, and we could turn to that sense. Yeah, it's a silly little thing like that. But then, oh, you know, I'm in health, I have good health. My stomach's not hurting. Um, bits of me are, maybe. You know, knees are going, or headache or something, but kidneys are in good shape today, lungs are doing fine. No problem with those hands, fine, fingers, good, yeah. Hey, it's really nice, isn't it? Notice what it's like when you've, you've had a pain and it goes. Oh, blessed relief, thank goodness. And then, how long for? <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds, maybe. So, you know, it's this sense of really picking up the fortunate, the... Uh, the supportive. And with uh, you know, refuge, he's picking up the supportive aspects of Buddha, which is the teaching is available, uh, you have to believe anything, it's not going to do you any harm, um, it's set up for your welfare, um, there's all kinds of methods and means provided to, to you know, external conduct with other people, internal conduct, the refinements. There's a, there's a big thing there. There you are, it's really nice, isn't it? Whether one can make use of them or not, but at least you can admire the, the workshop of it and pick up one or two tools for free. And that's rather generous.
So, and Dhamma, you mean you can always you can always begin again with it. This is the the beauty of of the Buddha's teaching on karma. It doesn't mean, you know, that you're doomed because you know you you sort of kicked a dog five years ago or something. So you or you know your past occupation wasn't so skillful. Your previous way of life had a bit few blemishes in it. No, it's that's no that's you just um, that's with the Buddha's teaching on karma. You always just begin right now, set up what's good and bright, and you can do good, and you feel good for it. You can live nobly. You can live with dignity. You can live with self-respect. That's great, isn't it? You don't have to keep proving yourself or regretting something. Right now, you can live with dignity, self-respect, self-worth. You can do. That's the offering. But of course it depends how one that, that mind net gets spread. If you want to pick up the failings and the regrets and the things I'm not and things I should do and he's so much better and she's so much nicer and you know what are you gonna get, you know? <laughs> so being able to appreciate the good karma that's brought one here. You're good people. You know, this is this is the this is the you know, the prime harvest in a way. People who would not intentionally take life, um, abuse, violate, verbally, sexually, you know, would not do that, would recoil from it, feel distaste for it. This is this is the cream, isn't it? Really, so when you you pick up refuge, Buddha, and then also reflections on one's own goodness, you're generating a kind of a field of con- for consciousness. So that instead of it being thrown out into the hell realms, the hungry ghost realms, it's thrown out into uh, a pleasant human realm or even um, a deva loka, you know, the pleasant the celestial realms of. Um, which are based upon the sense of um, essential gladness and well-being, precepts and kindness. And uh, in the Buddhist teachings, you know, if you generate this, this is where you're going to go. <laughs> this is what you. This is where your mind goes. It goes. It goes. It throws itself to that in that direction. You know, and actually train the mind consciousness so your intent, you know, is, is held. Instead of keep going into that hell realm, that bad places, you know, appreciation, and then may may taking this in. You know, may I may I really experience that? Stand in it, sit in it, breathe in it, steep myself in it. Yeah. Like uh, many of these practices, is just so incredibly simple, and outline the whole uh, training is is the depth and the detail. What could be simpler than breathing in and out? Yeah. But the immense, de- the immense uh, development that occurs if that is taken on thoroughly, you know, for and sustained. Similarly, with the Brahma Vihara. Obviously, you know, you don't want any harm to yourself, what's news. 
But you recognize one does have, because of the deluded mind, some, some self-destructive programs there. You know, there's a lot of confusion and, and hellishness and, and uh, hatred and uh, scorn and defeat and, uh, you know, and certain, certain situations, certain things bring them up. And we, we find ourselves doing this. It's kind of nastiness towards ourselves, towards our lives, towards, and it goes, it goes out towards others, in towards ourselves. So the baseline is you, first of all, you're just taking refuge. Something appreciates me. If I can't do it, then the Buddha does. You know, here, here's this offering for you. You know, here's your place to start anew. Welcome, start afresh, forget the old stuff. I'm taking you in. You know, good, bad, whatever. Forget it, you know. You're on board. Uh, the Buddha never refused anybody discipleship or the ability to take refuge. Never, you know, anybody take refuge. And uh, the saying uh, that, uh, there's a lovely saying in the Anguttara Nikaya where the Buddha says to Ananda, anyone you hold dear, any companions, any kinship, any people you really hold dear, then really I encourage you to take refuge in, to remember three things, take refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. It is impossible for someone who has taken refuge in these things for them to be reborn in the hell realms or the hungry ghost realms. Yeah, you know, whatever you want to make of that. But, you know, it's saying this is not just a sign along the dotted line experience. <laughs> it really is, you know, you're welcome. Uh, make yourself feel that way. Feel honoured. Feel bestowed upon. Inclined that way. And it is something that requires some effort because of the corruptions that incline us towards... Um, you know, unfortunate sannyas, um, and particular destructive um, perceptions and, and volitions, which are never really extinguished except through the cultivation of the mind. Remember the, th- the three forces that came to the Buddha in his night. Uh, the so-called daughters of Mara, Tanharaga, Arati. And Arati is this, uh, literally means something like the opposite of enjoyment. Rati is to enjoy. And, uh, you know, it can be the uh, enjoyment of, of jnana, jnana rato, <laughs> you know, enjoyment of knowledge, enjoyment of insight. So it's not a sensory experience. Yeah. It's a sense of being pleased by enjoying. And arati means no, don't enjoy, don't appreciate, fed up. <laughs> so it can be uh, negativity, you might say, grumpy. Now this is a major force. The grumpy, tetchy, irritable, negative state. And it can be something that's cynical. Ah, you know, so what? Really, you know, they, what they really mean is Depressive, well, it's all right for a while, but you wait, wait, we're going to have a bad winter, Nick. <laughs> you know, that kind of state. 
whereby even even the good states are seen as just temporary, um, you know, uh, blips on the screen against an over overwhelming morass of of doom that we're all bound towards. Uh, depressed states, cynical states, um, self degradation. Yeah, you know, but I'm a bit of a basket case, really. You know, you know, can't do it. Hopeless, pathetic, and things of this nature. Um, towards oneself, towards others, see the faults, see the shortcomings, accentuate those, and proliferate around those. Now, this is a force that's, that's right there, you know, very primary force, just like tanha and raga, uh, craving and, and passion. It's that basic. Yeah? And so, you say, when it means basic, I mean, it's not personal. It's not like only, only this kind of person has it. Everybody has this. You know, as a potential that flares up time to time. You want to be on guard against this. And it can be so ingrained as the basic mindset, like a, a low-grade negativity. It means you're not actually raging with it, just kind of generally fed up, you know, or generally kind of low, low expectation, resignation to... to being pathetic or miserable for the rest of one's life. <laughs> you know, so that in a way one's already, yeah, well, I'm not going to make it, can't do it, is that kind of fundamental base state. Um, so the, the consciousness keeps getting thrown out in that direction, that becomes a kind of uh, the way that your net is thrown. Mm. Now, not consciousness is happening every moment, so it doesn't have, I'm not saying this is like any sense of permanence, but it can be very continuing, very continuing, repeated. The direction can be a, 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 a continuing direction, even if consciousness is impermanent. The volitional quality is the thing that goes beyond death, not consciousness. Now, consciousness ceases with death, but the volition, the karma, goes on beyond, so you know what that means, you know? So you know, that that direction becomes not just this life statement but a future life statement. This is where the hell realms come from. So very important to whether you however you feel about future life or just this life, let's look at that one. You know how much of one's uh, mind net continually trawls in the negative. Recognizing that, you know, well, yeah, no wonder I'm negative. Well, you, did you see what he did? Did you see what she did? They never did this, they did that, you know. And it, so it becomes, it becomes justified by zoning in of particular objects that, to base itself upon. You know, so it's very convincing. No wonder I'm fed up because this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that. And certainly so, but when you come to a situation like this, you think, wait a minute now. You know, what about everyday dana? What about, you know, however he is, he keeps the precepts. Yeah. 
whoever she is, there's a strong inclination, you know, she shaved her head and um, she's not here for laughs. <laughs> you know, these are very decent people. How can one get so irritated? And one begins to then have something to, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? And you first realise, and then of course the net throws inwards. Well, I'm so miserable and cantankerous and nasty, you know, whoops. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing going. Throw it outwards, throw it in. Metta to, other, to others as to myself. We might first of all have to begin indeed with ourself. May I be well. Right now, with whatever I'm with, not may I be well, give me a donut, but may I be well, feeling, sense of all oh, that, that craving in that hunger. Just uh, let's get some space around that, relax that, let go of the trembling and the pushing of that. Focus on what you feel that's already good. Soothe yourself with that, you know, so that the, the uncomfortable or the, you know, can be held in a mind that also can recognize right now there is comfort, there is happiness, there is well-being. Right now people are coming here in order to help me live my life. You know, every day some people are coming here to, in order to <laughs> support me. You know, people are giving money in order to, to support me. You know, reflect on that and, and pick up that. So appreciation of the field, of the sphere, and then also rather than, well, I'm not worth it. I, then you've got some very tangible references. And then you get to the precepts, the meditation, the commitments that we undertake. And now we just have to really focus in or, or hold that, that ill will. There's a strong word. It could be just a kind of dismissiveness or a um, once it, a kind of self-image of being a bit second-rate, dog-eared or pathetic yeah. or a kind of mindset that is depressive doesn't dare to, to allow things to be bright it's too, it's too frightening <laughs> Not because brightness is, but because anything that takes one out of one's mindset is frightening. You know, because suddenly it's no longer, you're no longer who you are. This is one of the, um, you know, main things to recognize about consciousness and intention and selfhood is where the nature of intention and consciousness is it, it sets up a kind of location. Yeah. So, in terms of mind, right? So it establishes where we are. You know, the, the sense of the, what the volition, self-forming volition throws out your consciousness in terms of greed, hatred, delusion. Oh, this is where I am. Yeah. So, so apart from direct things like greed and hatred, there's also this self-view delusion, which is, I'm in here, this is mine, this is me. The seeking for coherence, the seeking for constancy, says we'll find it somewhere in consciousness. 
throw that net out and find out where you are, what's right, where you know your place to be. So you know, it throws that out. This means that this that because there's this tremendous gravitation to find oneself and to be have that kind of firm footing, one takes footing, one firms oneself up, one establishes oneself sense of self upon the consciousness. So even if your consciousness is negative and unpleasant, you know, why do we want to do that? And yet we do. Or something does. Because at least it's mine. <laughs> at least it's who I am. At least it's stable. At least I can go there. I can go there repeatedly. It's a home ground. Yeah? It's like the dung beetle burrowing into its ball of crap. Yeah? <laughs> because it knows what to do, how to function, how to get in there and get warm in its little grumpy heap of dung. Yeah. And to go anywhere else, it's like, oh, well, um, yeah, yeah, oh, big world, where's the dung? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and human beings, we, we find these pathways to, to habit, because for good or bad, they give us the sense of constancy and permanence and selfhood, right? And we find it in different ways. Say an ordinary person, their routines, go home, hello, hello, you know, you've got your wife, kids, more and more, and switch on the telly. Boring, why well, this telly is useless, why do they put this rubbish on the telly, still sit there watching it. <laughs> because, you know, having something to complain about. Read the papers, oh, it's shocking, terrible, what a load of rubbish, and why pay for this? You know, still keep doing it. Yeah. Because it, it's that sense of you know, even the same old things, the same old memories, the same old verbal patterns, because it gives you a sense of you know who you are. And even though it's unpleasant, it's fundamentally, it's better than, than not, not knowing it. This is the enormous challenge for spiritual life, in a way, is that is the abandonment, that the emptying, the opening out of one's personal little ball of dung, or whatever it was. Some dung is better than others, of course. But to to move out of that, so right, you know, we don't, we can. We're just encouraged to drop our self-view, even temporarily. And what um, Buddha Nusati, when it's a devotional thing, when you, when you enhance it, when you develop the level of devotion, is, I am the Buddha's disciple, the Buddha looks after me. You know, that kind of sense. And then the rest of it is just... You know. And of course, this isn't something that people necessarily can do. I mean, some people are good at it, naturally inclined, other people... Buddha, you know, good, fine. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> but if you can't do it that way, then, you know, to that level of devotion, then at least, you know, fundamental self-interest. May I stop putting myself down? May I stop 
being cheap with myself, may I actually start to appreciate the goodness in my life. This is the Brahma Vihara. Recognizing that one is appreciated, one is honored, one is respected. Someone in life is life which is given a great deal of honor. You know, we can notice that so-and-so, you know, didn't treat me very nicely today or got left off the list of those or I never get one of those. Yeah, but basically everybody's getting a free big, big handout and respect. And like the heating in the house, we don't notice it anymore. So just to bring it to attention and then on the mental level and then physically noticing the the well-being that is in the body, the vitality, the uh, healthiness, the uh, um, comfortable. How do you, and then being very specific as you meditate. How do you know? How, does it, how do you know that your body is comfortable? How's, how's the hands right now? Is that slightly tight or relaxed? The face, the eyes, the mouth, the chest, the throat, so forth. Oh yeah, and that's a bit, oh yeah, just relax. And then you feel the sense of the well-being, which is a gift. We're given a kind of a starter pack. Obviously there's pain in the body, but, but that uh, you know, the, the, the fundamental life energy is, is healthy and just tuning into that and may I take that in rather than you know trying to do anything so you're learning to, to throw the net in a different direction and a mind that's bent chetasa a volition that's, that's intending inclined to what is good and fortunate, the lovable in oneself and in others doesn't necessarily mean psychologically lovable, but it can be that also. You know, the goodness, the that which one uh, honours and respects in others, and then in oneself. So the the sphere of the beautiful. If that's developed in the way of samadhi, where you just really make become one pointed on that, And as with any form of, of meditation practice, the insight path is, is you, something in you can contemplate that, steps back. And, oh, it's like that. that. That has come around through intention. Mm, it's like that.
It's also said about metta that one sees the pleasant in the unpleasant, the unpleasant in the pleasant, neither and both. Which means you contact something that's agreeable and pleasant, and you can see and recognize, yeah, there are limitations or defaults or um, flaws in that, but the mind still is not moved into aversion. So it's not purely um, an infatuation experience we're looking at, but the sense that even deliberately recognizing the unpleasant, the disagreeable, and not moving into irritation or ill will or rejecting it or condemning it and so forth. Of course you begin with trying to access the, the, the fortunate, but then as one develops it, also that which is um, unlovely, you know, unpleasant, nasty, wicked, whatever, Ah, but without, you know, righteousness, judgment, violence, hatred, blaming, scorn. It's just this is unskillful, that's the unskillful. Ah, the heart doesn't move into ill will. And it only does that because you have this the developed the metta in the way of one pointedness. To others as to oneself, throwing the net in different directions. It's important to give both of those because you know, who one, one experience oneself as being as a subject is so affected by objects. And the big object, of course, is other people. You know, somebody looks down on me, somebody laughs at me, somebody is kind to me, someone is generous to me, someone gives me full attention, someone never gives me any attention, you know, and that has an effect. And it's something that, yeah, okay, so we can be on our own, but then what happens when we're not on our own, you know? And um, a lot of this, as probably one begins to recognize, a lot of this has got, is, actually isn't other people. It's how I, I kind of imagine or interpret people's actions. So I think we've all, experience that, you know, you think, oh, he's a really nasty looking number, this one. And then you talk to them and say, oh, Bunty, I was so, so delighted. <laughs> you know, you, one, one, or one's fear of, of uh, other people, one's nervousness can think, you know, one's sense of, of rejection, you know, these kind of innate tendencies that we carry, can, we, they get projected onto others. You know, authority figures or you know, domination patterns and so forth. All it's very, very complex psychologically. Mm. 
But before you really even, you know, go into details of other people, just uh, probably the first thing to recognize is what it, what's it like? You know, what kind of space are you sitting in? Your first sense of otherness is what's around me. Uh, what is, what do, you know, how, how am I relating to that? Is something in me kind of trying to seal it off and, you know, or something be reaching out, where's the good stuff, where's the nice thing, you know? So is it reaching out or is it pulling in? Are we slightly kind of retracting, not wanting to get affected or reaching out for the good effects? Or can you just have the, the net held loosely? So it's just whatever, nothing, something, pleasant, unpleasant, just whatever it is, may it be well, you know, and may I be well. That that fundamental inclination so that our, our sense our fundamental basis of relationship is not um, coming from a place of hunger or aversion or confusion you can feel this in your own body where your body feels relaxed settled or edgy and restless can be internal or even just the sense of I was alright sitting on my own but you know eight other ten other people I feel a bit you know it's okay get to that edge of of that and just be well you know nobody's doing anything to you just, just relax now just get to that place and generate the metta the the kindness, the nourishment, the harmlessness right there. So you feel or feels at ease in one's in the space. And then uh, pick up the sign of that that quality of ease. You can generate it, pick it up, amplify it, bring it into the body, bring it into the breathing, bring it into the thinking, send it out, may others be well uh, exercise it, develop it as a vehicle for either the place of the beautiful or for release from the habits of self. <laughs>